When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room with Andrew Rimby and Adam Katz. We are a podcast and writing community geared towards the needs of graduate students and recent graduate students. So Adam, what are you most excited about with our current winter season? So I'm looking forward to these two upcoming episodes concerning mental health. We have one episode about the usual suspects, anxiety, depression, substance abuse, uh, and then a companion episode about trauma. Andrew, what are you looking forward to? Discussions with artists, physicists, grant writers, creative writers, and of course, more Whitmanians. That's not a real word. I will go to my grave. That is not a real word. Yes, it is. And I'm going to add it to the dictionary soon. And of course, Urban Dictionary, maybe. The writing group that I serve as a moderator for. So, Adam, can you remind everyone? how they can join the writing group. Right, so we have a presence on Facebook and Twitter. We're on, fa- on Twitter, we're at Ivory Boiler Room. On Facebook, we're just the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Uh, send us a message, tell us you wanna join, absolutely anything. Nobody's turned away. Hey, Andrew. So I don't know if you were aware, one of our regular writing group attendees started her own podcast. No, I actually, this is the first time I've ever heard about this. Can you tell me more? (laughs) Um, So our very own Mary DePippi is a nanny and has decided to start a podcast about movies. And actually, why don't we let her tell it? Thanks, guys. So essentially, my whole podcast is just like Adam said. A, movie, a podcast about movies. However, because I'm a nanny, I thought these movies that I watch and review should have nannies or at least like babysitters. So another aspect of my job is also that it's really actually lonely. So I'm hoping that this podcast will also create a community of nannies like myself and we can bond over how we're presented in the media and television. So now you have a community of writers and eventually we need the community of nanny and maybe nanny writers. So without further ado, (laughs) Adam and I are really happy that we can cross promote with the nanny reviews and now please enjoy Mary's trailer, actually world premiere of Mary's trailer and our interview of Caitlin Shea, the Walt Whitman Birthplace Event and Media Director. Please enjoy. Hello listeners, my name is Mary Pippi, and today I'm here to talk to you about my new podcast called The Nanny Reviews. Every other Friday, I sit down and relax with a glass of wine and watch a movie about nannies. 
you know, being a nanny can be a very lonely job. And my hope is to create a community of other nannies like myself. So grab a glass of wine and join me February 5th for the nanny reviews. For clues about which movies I will be talking about in each episode, check out the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at The Nanny Reviews, on Facebook, The Nanny Reviews with Mary to Pippi, and you can also email me at thenannyreviews at gmail.com. Okay. Like the witty banter. Yeah. Well, and maybe to start, Caitlin, I'll just ask, how did you arrive to us today? I mean, virtually, we're on a screen, but... How did you arrive from the birth? When an electron loves another electron very much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrew, you and I met um, through the birthplace. The first time we met, you were giving a tour that was in person of Jane's Hill. Near Wait, the through the Whitman birthplace. Can we please be specific? Oh, lest yeah. people think that you guys are in like matching bassinets. <laughs> <laughs> The, the, the Walt the Whitman birthplace, which is a museum on Long Island, of which Caitlin is. See, this this is why we're not good at starting in Medias Res, is because we we get we get the cart before the horse. Um, hi, yes. Caitlin. Caitlin Shea works hi, for hi, the Whitman birthplace. Welcome. Yes, welcome. And where are you broadcasting to us now from? I am in Northport, New York, not far from the Walt Whitman birthplace, actually. For those of you who are listening to us from elsewhere, that's like 40 or 50 miles from New, from New York City, depending upon where you that. measure from, from Penn Station. Yeah, probably about, I'm going to go with that. Yes. yes. I feel like I always use Penn Station as that point. Yeah, because people have been there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, but then because if you there's try a really say, good cheesecake shop right next door. Yeah, but I always love, oh, yeah, there is a good cheesecake place, but okay. I always love um, <laughs> how though on the LIE, they always measure it from the border of Queens. And I was very confused when I first moved here from New Jersey and they're like, New York is 58 miles away in Port Jeff Village. And I'm like, but wait, isn't this New York? I was very, <laughs> I'm like, oh, they mean the city. Okay, okay. I they get mean, it. Yeah. I get what's happening here. People, people get, uh, so New York County refers to the island of Manhattan. And that can throw you through a loop because there's three different conventions. There's obviously, I'm in New York, meaning I'm in New York State, or I'm in New York, meaning I'm in New York City. But people will often say, I'm, I'm in Brooklyn, but I'm going to New York later. And if you're not from here, mm -hmm. you'll think that the person is having mm -hmm. a mild seizure. Mm -hmm. Or there's upstate New York, which encompasses so many areas. Right, exactly. Exactly. But they're not having a seizure. They're just... Yeah. Oh, and then there's the fight instead of cities. And then there's the fight about Westchester and Duchess and Orange and which oh, is God. the upstate, which isn't. It's like Long Island too. I feel when I first came to Long Island, there's there is this Nassau and Suffolk mm -hmm. um, battle going on oh, about yeah. which is um, which is the better place to be in the action. And I have my own thoughts, but I'm not going to air them because I'm worried I'm going to get hate mail. Um, I would but, love to get hate mail. I feel like that's how we know we've made it. That's true. Well, <laughs> and I hope you don't get your... hate. I hope Caitlin doesn't get hate mail. Yeah, your okay. event job. That's good. Caitlin, but, do you get hate mail at the Whitman birthplace? I haven't yet, <laughs> and I'm hoping never. Let's not, your let's not start that. No, no, no. So, uh, people listening, please don't send Caitlin any kind of negative energy. Um, <laughs> I have gotten poetry books though, which has been awesome. 
some of the poets that we featured have mailed me their books, which is like a very happy surprise. And I'm working at home. So I went back to the office one day and I found three books on my desk. That oh, were that's amazing. Yeah, it's so amazing. And I guess for everyone, because we haven't really s specified, um, your title is event coordinator? Events and media director. Okay, sorry. Events and media yes, director. No. Thank you. No, I, no, your title is better than my title. Yeah. Mine sounds like a cruise ship uh, yeah. <laughs> position. Um, so you've been, Adam liked that one. So you've been in um, that role now for going on two years or a year and a half? Well, it's a little more complicated than that. So okay. I'll start from the very oh. beginning. Um, I was thinking about this today. So I, I interviewed for Tea Party Teacher because we have Girl Scouts that join us. I'm glad and, you specified that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so we have Girl Scouts that join us. Man yeah. <laughs> with one pinky up. Right, exactly. But so these Girl Scouts get a, a little string of pearls oh. uh, and they learn about uh, manners and etiquette for tea parties, so, which is awesome. Is this um, kind of like, I, sorry, Caitlin, it sounds okay. very debutante-like. I thought that at first, but then I realized when I watched them happening that it's these girls are really getting, you know, like a special day out of it. And it's just um, like a nice, you know, like they feel like they're fancy. Okay, <laughs> okay. It's kind so of it's nice not necessarily thing. like they're premiering at a ball eventually. Right. No, no, okay. No. <laughs> okay. And it's also related to 1800s uh, etiquette, which that. is really interesting. So they tie that into uh, Whitman's time. And then we also had our first Boy Scout group join us recently. I love that. Oh, wow. For, for, a tea, for a tea party. Right. Exactly. So we didn't never said Girl Scouts, and I'm glad mm -hmm. we didn't. And so that was amazing to have them with us. Yeah. Well, a tea party is amazing to begin with, because I've been to a few tea rooms, and... Um, I know that sounds very high fancy, yeah. but it, isn't it though? Well, okay, we're not going to comment on that. But <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But there's a very, there's a very nice. Um, for some reason, Port Jeff and Satalkit, well, actually Stony Brook, are into the tea room scene. Um, mm. And I know in the South, because I've been to Atlanta, tea room has a different connotation. Um, like Still. a tea room in the South is more like a, just a gathering place. Um, if I remember right, um, but these are like the tiered um, afternoon teas. So you have the scones, and I love that we're talking about this because now I'm going to get really hungry. These are important uh, matters. These are so important. But well, people you... come to our show to discuss the issues. Yes, How tiny is, is too a major tiny a sandwich? <laughs> so yeah, to discuss the little cucumber sandwiches, um, uh, salmon yes. sandwich. Um, but so leading that, Caitlin, what was that like since you said this was your first encounter with the birthplace? Well, that was my interview. Oh, that was your interview. That was my oh, what was, I interviewed for. So your interview, oh, was for the leader right. of the teacher of the tea party. Exactly. Okay. And um I at that time I was working as a painting teacher at a painting set, which if you don't know is where you can paint a painting in a classroom setting in two hours while drinking wine. And oh, these, sip, these paint and sip places. Yes. We're painting with a twist, or there's all these names. 
Right. So how was that experience? I mean, I now want to jump back to that. What was that like with the kind of clientele? Oh, it was, it was interesting. There's a lot of, um, we'll say like girls night out type of. Did anybody actually come out of the experience with a decent painting? Because I, I, I hate to be a snob, but that's. Actually, yes. I, some, but you had to have like the dedication when mm. you were doing it. And so some people, I think it was just a really broad spectrum of like really drunk people who don't care <laughs> to people who are overly into every little detail and then I have to like go over and kind of be like, all right, take a step back. The thing is real breath. painters are like that, run that spectrum as well. Right. That's so true. it's fair that amateur painters should like, should have the same indulgence. Right. <laughs> well, what was one of your favorite paintings to teach to the class? Let me think. Well, there's so many landscape paintings hmm. that it would get very tiresome doing those. <laughs> to be honest. Um, but my favorite one, we had a circular wave painting that was influenced by a Japanese woodcut prints. Oh, cool. So that one was awesome. Also, because it was almost abstract in a strange way. Um, and so even if it didn't come out quote unquote good, it still looked really cool. It had like a purple background um, and a bright blue foreground. So it was really, I like that one a lot. That sounds great, um, actually. Yeah, and then we also did themed paintings that oh, you would trace. Like, for example, there was a Lion King themed. So they somehow got the copyright from Disney uh, when the Lion King movie came out recently, the newer one, and they let us trace them and get them all perfect. But then the great part of teaching there was like, there would be these happy little different um, experiences. Like this little girl painted her cats <laughs> instead of the Lion King. And it was just so adorable to see. And they all had their names on them. So it was just nice to see people's yeah. individual uh, ways of approaching these things. Yeah. So so we're gonna we're gonna get to how you got there. Yes. <laughs> but first we're gonna take the step forward and say you were working at the painting the the boozy painting studio mm -hmm. and then you went to interview to be the team arm at the Whitman house at the Whitman birthplace. Mm -hmm. um, and so clearly the interview was successful, but not, but with a twist. So would you mind? Right. So I had that interview. I have to be perfectly honest and say that I don't love working with kids. And I think that that came through in that interview. Um, <laughs> I could just tell, like, I was trying to be upbeat about it, but I was going to, oh, but uh, the, painting job was so severely part-time. And then sometimes classes like could get canceled if people didn't um, show up, things like that. Mm -hmm. So I interviewed for that. Then they called me and said, you didn't get that, but we have an open position for gift shop manager. And so with that, I was excited. I thought it was a great opportunity, especially because I'm an artist. It's a lot of creativity. Um, you know, and figuring out what to order, what's visually interesting with you're in that space when you're visiting, what makes you want to go in there, things like that. So I was really excited. And that was actually two months before Walt Whitman's 200th birthday. Oh dear. And no one had filled that space for a while. So it was really lacking. The gift shop needed a lot of orders. Um, we had a three day event for Walt Whitman's 200th birthday. So we had the most people ever within that three days, just like, crowds and crowds of people, which was amazing. But we had to do so much to prepare for that. Um, my favorite part of that was 
very last minute, the woman who had my job at that time, um, events media director, asked me if I could go find some balloons that were said 200, like those big number balloons. Um, so, you know, the night before, I'm going to every party somewhere trying to find <laughs> these 200 balloons. Then I could find them, but they weren't all in the same color. Well, you have to get you have to get the 19th century balloons that are actually made out of pig intestines. <laughs> no, but Wait, this, this create, makes so you created a multicolored balloon display. Well, it ended up being the same color on the oh. third try, on the third party store. I got the nice big gold ones. I think Whitman would like the gold. So Wait, was this for the cake celebration when we all sang Happy Birthday to Whitman? Okay. Yeah, that was one of the days. And then there was two other days of like community events. It was so beautiful. I didn't even fully understand how big it was because I was so new. Oh, yeah. But it was such it was a incredible. monumental day. That energy, because I had just come from Manhattan with the Whitman Week group. And oh. we all were celebrating on the birthday, touring the area. Um, there was a beautiful um, performing troupe. Um, that Campania, I'll remember the name yeah. later for the show notes so I can actually attach their website. But it was- um, Columbari, I think. Go on. Yes, no, say it again. What is it, Caitlin? Campania Columbari. Thank you. Um, and just such a magical night. Um, yeah, it yeah. really was. And we were outside and it was just beautiful, big tent. Yeah. I can't believe that, that it was, now a year and a half ago i know yeah yeah time is flying yeah so that was back when people could be together without being afraid they were murdering each other yeah and there were a lot of people together i remember being shoulder to shoulder we could barely move inside the birthplace well so so this and this was two months into your job like you you showed up to be the i don't know gift shop conciliary and Mm -hmm. Sudden, but suddenly, because it's a small museum, you're also doing this other stuff, mm. right. right? Well, that's the thing is our team is so small, and I hope people don't realize that. I don't think they do. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also part time. I've gotten more hours recently because of just needing to do more virtual events, things like that. And we'll talk about that more. But mm-hmm. so you have to just compact all these huge ideas and figure out how you're gonna do them and problem solve them and in a very short amount of time. And you're nonprofit right. too. Right, and we're nonprofit. Well, that, that almost goes without saying. I mean, this is this is the unfortunate circumstance about non, not-for-profit and people who want to mm-hmm. have a creative job is that you very often have to pack a full-time job into a part-time job mm-hmm. and manage your time effectively. Cause you could at least in theory spend all your time doing this, right? I mean, it's it's, it would be easier to do that than to do what you need to do, which is to live a life outside of your part-time job. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, your profile, Caitlin, I feel that, like you're saying, the outside world, the community <laughs> um, of wit maniacs, mm-hmm. uh, have to throw that in. Uh, <laughs> but, of course or do. anyone who comes to the birthplace, I think even when I first started going to the birthplace, which now has to be around four years ago. Um, I had gone for it, um, a tour of the house, but also with my outside reader, Karen Carboner. Mm-hmm. 
and she was leading a uh, West Hills tour, which, you know, as teacher passes to student, I know, uh, served, you know, uh, serendipitously, I think that's a word. Um, uh, thanks, Caitlin. She gave me a thumbs up. Um, met Caitlin that way when I was giving the tour. But yeah, all that's to say is I always thought that there was a full-time staff outside of the executive director held by Cynthia, sure. And, um, but like you're saying, it's part-time, but your job profile, it is a full-time, um, it, it could definitely be expanded full-time with everything you do now. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, it has expanded. My hours have gotten uh, to be longer since the pandemic began. But I will say that when it started, um, we had all of these events lined up and the question was, how are we going to do these? Are we going to do these events? Mm -hmm. And I remember there was about two weeks there where I was like, I might not have a job very soon because what are we doing? You know, and it was very scary. Our hours all got cut for a week because no one knew what was happening and mm -hmm. there really wasn't much for us to do at the time, except, mm -hmm. you know, I put a social media post up, everything's canceled till further notice. Mm -hmm. And then little did I know, my job would rapidly expand very shortly after that. Mm -hmm. And that's because we started doing virtual events. And so I'll back up a little bit. Usually when we have an event, I have three, four months notice. And it's someone that we've already spoken to and gotten all their information and we're making flyers and posters and all this time. We're getting press releases out way in advance. Mm -hmm. Everything's good. Mm -hmm. Now with this, it we sort of took a leap of faith and had one of our poets, our uh, our poet, uh, I can't even talk right now. Um, our poet in residence was going to be joining us soon. And again, it becomes what is our poet in residence going to look like during a pandemic when they can't even visit us? Mm -hmm. So. We had our poet in residence coming, so we're like, we need to figure out a way to still have him join us, Juan Felipe Pereira, who's a very famous international poet, and we need to figure Say out how to do the name again this. so that everybody can hear it. Oh, Juan Felipe Pereira. Mm -hmm. and, and we'll put that in the uh, notes as well. Continue, please. Okay. So he, uh, he was going to join us. He graciously agreed that he would do an online virtual event, but we were, of course, very nervous about it. What will we use? Will it be Facebook Live? So we decided that we would do a few practice events in advance of that and just see what happened if people actually joined us, things like that. So Christina M. Rao, she joined us uh, for a poetry workshop. That was our first event on Facebook. And people were kind of popping in and out. It, was, it went very well, but it was hard to gauge how many people attended and all that sort of information. Mm -hmm. So then we decided to go to Zoom events. And we were able to invite people to those Zoom events and really make it feel like an event. And that really worked very well. So we started saying, hey, we should do more of this. Mm -hmm. And we started inviting poets every single week, <laughs> very quickly thereafter, um, which is amazing. And, you know, I should tell you these emails I'm writing them because we don't have money to spend on these events right now. So I'm inviting them to volunteer with us to share their poetry, which I, I have so much respect for poets, so I want to come off in a way where I'm, you know, showing them the respect, absolutely. 
Um, so I just start furiously sending out these emails. Can you please join us? You've been a part of this community for so long. We appreciate it. And I have to say, not one poet said no, which is still amazing to me. Um, and this is also where I, I'm a visual artist and I know that I get asked to do free things all the time. <laughs> and, you know, it's a good opportunity, it's exposure, but at the same time, it's like, I can't pay my bills or buy groceries this week, but yeah. I'm working a lot. Yeah, the, so, the day you get a landlord who accepts exposure as a payment <laughs> yes. is the day the system becomes acceptable and, log and logical. This form of currency. <laughs> um, but so I made sure that their books, if they have chat books that they want to sell, were also a major part of the marketing uh, that was so important to me and still is as we go through it's just make sure that this person is connecting to our audience and maybe part of our audience will start following them. Mm -hmm. I also realize there's a lot of artists that don't know how to self promote, but I like sort of guiding them and saying, you know, this description of your poetry is great, but it's very, you know, how you feel when you're writing it. But what about what the audience is going to feel? What mm -hmm. kind of words? I mean, in, in my position, I start to think of everything in hashtags. <laughs> So it's, I tell them, think of it like what labels would you give yourself really fast in a short two, three sentences. And so that's also increased sort of our ability to get people excited for these events a lot. Yeah. Well, and I think what's, and I, you know, I have a little biased experience with this just because I've done three events. Mm-hmm. Right. And I guess we could talk about the walking tour because that's a little different of a Zoom event. But I did my, um, I call it my circuit event because I've gone around doing it at different places. I think when I did it with you, it was my third time speaking about Whitman and Wilde's meeting in mm -hmm. Camden. Um, and I love that with the other two events, right, it was I went to Brooklyn Library, that's where I did one, and then I did the other at Port Washington Library. Mm -hmm. I wish that I had encapsulated both of them because I loved the energy, but what I really enjoy is how you have this YouTube channel that is accessible and is a marketing tool, right? Mm -hmm. I guess you could talk about how that works for marketing, um, but I love that, and I'm sure the other poets, well, I'm a scholar, but the poets um, and other scholars or anyone who presents with the birthplace that I now share it, um, creating a Google site uh, with, in partnership with Caitlin mm -hmm. and that I can use that for my own job pro portfolio. So it's such a ingenious way to have reach out, um, to reach out to communities. Um, and have this lasting document. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, so how has the YouTube channel maybe, how did you originate that idea? Because I think it is such a, it's not something you would think of doing right away. Well, hang on, before, before we get to the YouTube channel, I just wanna emphasize just in passing that what Caitlin is describing is something that a lot of people have experienced in the last 10 months, 12 mm -hmm. months, right? Mm -hmm. The, the idea that like, especially as an educator or as somebody who's part of an educational project that you just have, you have to do a lot more work mm. in order to achieve 
something remotely like the same result. Um, you have to, you have to do, I mean, you're getting more hours and you're being paid for them, mm -hmm. but the, the poets are hoping to benefit from the sort of cross pollination and, um, they're hoping to sell a few books and that's fine. Um, but it's, it's very, it's, it's, it's it, at the same time, like, I want to go through the nitty gritty of how you guys have managed it because it sounds like you've managed it very well, but it's important at the same time to acknowledge that this isn't normal and this isn't, this isn't how you want to achieve anything resembling job security. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think so, it's important to recognize, like, I hear where you're coming from, Adam. You don't want it to seem that we're passing by what could be seen, and I think is true, that there is an unjustness. Yeah, we're trying to highlight a success story, or, or a partial success story anyway, something something that Caitlin and her group have done really uh pretty well to flourish during this time you know a lot of these a lot of these places are going under mm -hmm. right? yeah and there's a lot of these small places or they're being bought out by or they're being bought out the state, exactly. by right. the state right and i mean that yeah. was a um a lot of authors homes are yeah. run by the state right that's the right. case in new jersey yeah the whitman house in new jersey the whitman camden house mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and a lot of, and the Poe House in Philly, and the Poe House in the Bronx. Right. And then <laughs> and the reason is because, well, you're showing us the reason and explaining it, which is how difficult it is to run it as a not-for-profit, independently um, created, I don't know what the right <laughs> term is, but independently run organization mm -hmm. that's outside of the state. And to be clear, do you, does the Whitman Birthplace receive any sort of um, governmental funding? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, very supportive. Um, but donations absolutely are needed. I mean, especially this year, we're closed from March through August for tours. That's a very long time to be closed. Yeah. And, you know, I think we also have a lot of issues with exposure. We, we're not very well known in our own community as hard as we try to be. Um, I think there's also sort of a, when people hear about a poetry reading, mm -hmm. I don't think that they necessarily think that's for them. If they have never had any sort of connection to poetry or the art world in general, it's very intimidating. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. As an artist, even, you know, I've shown in galleries that keep their door open while there's a show going on. They're trying to get people in there. Um, I've seen some uh, arts councils be really successful, like, um, Patchogue Arts Council does an amazing job. They have an outdoor event to get people. I painted outside uh, live there on these big canvases just to get people to know they're there, to feel like they can just walk up to an artist and say, I get it, I like it. You know, that does sound but, amazing. Yeah, like it's very creative ways of saying, you don't have to know every artist that ever lived um, in the past and all of your art history knowledge to look at a painting or look at a sculpture and just enjoy it for what it is, whatever mm -hmm. it is for you. Mm -hmm. um, it's sort of this high society feeling that comes from the art world still right. to the day, even though, you know, we're way past that at yeah. this time. Well, I'm right. glad you say high society, because I think even there's this highbrow feeling about an author's birthplace. Like, oh, yeah. 
who's going to want to tour that? Oh, I know scholars. Right. I mean, and I do, and I think the general public does have that yes. idea that you have to somehow enter a space and have this preconceived knowledge. But well, I should hope that the Whitman birthplace is a little bit more democratic. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm just talking about the stereotype, Adam. No, you're, you're, you definitely are. Yeah, but no, I'm, and I think Caitlin is explaining to us how you've countered that stereotype. Yes. Right? Yes. So like, that's where you've literally opened the doors. But I think what you're even saying right now with, and Adam's right to give you all the credit you deserve, which is, um, here's the gushing time. Um, but it's gushing, true. Like gushing you, is important. Yeah, and it's true though. Um, and I think us as Adam and I as teachers, like I sometimes wonder, I think back and I'm like, oh my goodness, can you believe how far, how much effort we put in with Zooming and all of these different podcasting? I mean, if you had asked me a year ago if this is what my future would be on the online sphere, I probably would have laughed because I would have had no conceived notion of what that would look like in terms of a schedule. And um, yeah. yeah, and I think the birthplace was so lucky, but also it was um, meant to be that you were in the position of uh, doing events in media because you were ready for the challenge, but also- You're like their Lion King. Yeah, you were the person who was able to bring it into the virtual space because, you know, there's also, and this is not any kind of con- condemnation, but there is a generational um, divide in terms of all different institutions where some are just not as up to date with technology or there's a learning curve. And I think what was difficult is some of the institutions that didn't have um, people in leadership who were ready for this technology challenge. Like Adam's saying, a lot of those are the ones that went under. Yeah. Right. Because... You know, now you have to figure out how do you reach out to your community, especially when you're a local, when you're an institution that relies usually on space and place very specifically. You know, it's not like you're the, um, like even the Metropolitan Museum of Art has a whole different infrastructure. Right. Yeah. Well, a big part of it too has been reaching far and wide beyond our community through these virtual events. Um, Last night, we had a poet join us from Jamaica. You told me a year ago. And not Jamaica, Queens, everyone. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, not Jamaica, Queens. (laughs) Um, Right, right. But But that is so, and that wouldn't have happened before. That never would have happened. Mm -hmm. Um, I always find myself making this joke, but it's completely true we get so many more people virtually that we literally wouldn't have enough chairs in the building to have them all in one room with us. So that to me is just incredibly powerful. And it also adds to how we tell Whitman's story. I think that a lot of our marketing before was about Whitman's a part of Huntington and this is part of Huntington's heritage. Um, And now it's more, this is what Whitman is about in a very general way. Um, mm-hmm. that appeals to so many people. 
um, poet of democracy. I mean, every country can find something in his message there. Yeah. Uh, So that has been a major shift. So we're not Huntington centric anymore, even though it's of course a huge part of us still. Um, I should also say that we are located across from Walt Whitman Mall. (laughs) And yet- (laughs) That always struck me as the funniest thing. I know. but our museum, the entrance does not face the road mm-hmm. uh, that it's directly across from the mall from. So right there, it's also, it's Walt Whitman Road. So there's such uh, interest in Walt Whitman in the area, but it's just finding us, taking the time to actually come visit us, go around the back, go to the parking lot, those kinds of things. It's like, everything gets a little lost. Um, I have to say, I said a million times, I'd love to visit that museum. I want to visit that museum. Did I ever do it? I went once for an event before I worked there and I loved it, but I never even took a tour. Of Mm. course, oh yeah, I will someday, but you know, to make the time for that. And that's why we're actually getting a, um, we got a grant from Parks and Trails to create a digital sign that will go out and, you know, instruct people we're on Zoom. We, you know, have tours these hours just go around this corner and you'll be here. And that's <laughs> so, so that's going to make a big difference. Yeah, no, that's yeah. so necessary cuz I always think to myself what would what would it be like if the birthplace's entrance was on the highway so or that, had like an entrance into the birthplace from the highway. I think it would be a different visible I, think, I mean, it would be in people's minds more. Um, exactly. I mean, they're going to the Whitman Mall. So there is a purpose to go shopping. And there is that, there is a nice sculpture of Whitman uh, with, um, I forget, is he holding something at the, the mall? The butterfly. Okay, yeah. the butterfly's on his finger. Just like the butterfly, there's a beautiful Whitman butterfly statue in your um, garden mm-hmm. area at the birthplace. Yes. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. but actually it's it's funny, Adam, laughs about Whitman in the mall. A lot of people think that, but I actually think Whitman would have been so excited because he was the self-promoter. Like he is one of the first entrepreneurial authors. That's like the first thing I learned about him while while I was working there. And it just impressed me so much. Like these photos that he has are just so planned. You know, a lot of times you'll see his top two buttons are unbuttoned and almost all his, like there's a lot of thought behind all of Market. Yeah, yeah. Some call him the influencer of the 19th century. That's very funny. Yeah, <laughs> I I always say to people, I can imagine him having a social media account and what he would do with that, and it would be oh, amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, I think he would also like to troll people. But I I want to I want to go the other way. I think that Twitter should be renamed Song of Myself. Mm. Yes. Songofmyself.com. Are you proposing a new uh, social media site? No, I'm uh, saying that I'm bird. saying that we should we should do, uh, do a violent takeover of the current ones. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to be very calculated with my social media use now, but that's actually working? a good segue um, because Caitlin has been so strategic. I mean, I know everyone who looks at the Whitman Birthplace Facebook might not always analytically be trying to figure out your strategy. But every time I see Caitlin, you post something, I've just been so impressed because I know that if you could speak about some of your examples, because there's one I love, which is almost this Where's Waldo 
mm-hmm. Whitman type of activity that you've been doing. Can you speak to just how you've, uh, the social media presence that you're a part of? Right. Well, it started with Christina M. Rao as our poet of the year. Okay. And she's been actually helping with the social media, mostly with posting the events, which has been, I can't even tell you, so much of a help <laughs> during this time. Like just literally plugging information in multiple places makes such a difference for my job. Um, but so she, I can't remember the first place. It was a rest stop on a highway. She saw something. Oh, it's probably the Cherry Hill Whitman rest stop in South Jersey. Yes, that might be it. Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, that's only 15 okay. minutes from my house oh, yeah. where I grew up. Oh, awesome. <laughs> but yes, yeah, South Jersey. Okay. <laughs> so she posted that and we got such a reaction that we didn't expect. And she was like, can we keep doing this? And we came up with hashtag uh, where's women. And I then been getting posts of people, you know, they just find odd women. There's a lot of park benches <laughs> just hmm. scattered throughout the world. <laughs> with really? a Whitman Wait, throughout the world? Oh, with a yes. Whitman quote. Interesting. Yes, a lot with a Whitman quote. So okay, you'll see a lot weird. of pictures where you just don't expect Whitman to have anything to do with this park, maybe, but it's been awesome uh, having people upload and share their pictures with us. Well, now you have me thinking that when I go in a few weeks to see my parents, I'm going to stop at the Whitman rest stop. I'm now, I'm now manifesting it, and I will take a picture of myself in front of it right. and share it to your Facebook. Yes, please do. Please do. <laughs> because... Yeah, yeah, but also, you're literally right next to the Whitman High School. Yes, we're very close. And, yeah. there's, an, and there's a Whitman Elementary School in Syosset. Right, right. Um, so, which is, which is funny because not a lot of his poetry is kid-friendly. Well, so the, the, kid, the kids will be like, who's this Walt Whitman person? Like I was with the founder of my elementary school, but they'd have to be like, I'll tell you when you're older. <laughs> right, right. But children really enjoy... Whitman more than I would ever imagine. Um, there's that poem, A Child Went Forth. Oh, yes. And children read that a lot uh, in our interpretive center. It's supposed there. And I think there's just something, I think that poem in particular, anyway, really connects to them. Um, and it's really about yeah. what a child sees and how it becomes ingrained in them psychologically and at a young age. And it works for our museum very well because Whitman lived at the house until he was four years old. Um, he did visit, however, and he he acknowledges in that poem basically that you know coming from these farm roots and then moving to Brooklyn, a much more urban area, you know, definitely had an effect on him and his love for nature. We would not recognize his Brooklyn as urban. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We say up and coming on the tour. It was very up and coming. Oh, I love that. That's yeah, it was. And, and for um, for those of you who are not listening from. New York or from a knowledge of New York, Brooklyn was a separate city back then. We're talking like 50 years or more mm-hmm. before it was incorporated with the other boroughs into New York City. Yeah, and for those who, you can't see this, but I just went and got my Whitman, one of the anthologies, um, the Library of America edition, because I'm now just pulling up the Child Went Forth um, mm-hmm. poem. But, yeah, I, well, uh, our writing group came out of the podcast. So a lot of the people in the writing group know that right now in my Whitman chapter, I'm talking about Brooklyn. Like I've now arrived to the point where he's, um, 
he's um, one of the first at patrons of the Apprentice Library in Brooklyn Heights. Mm. And all of the pictures that I found is of the farmland of Brooklyn Heights. And um, oh. I think that it's really important that you bring that up in terms of even the birthplace because what Whitman saw in Brooklyn was so familiar to him because it was all farming houses of Brooklyn and even Jamaica. He was living in Jamaica too, in Queens. Um, and that was all farmland. But then, right, he's under the urbanization, um, like literally on the ground watching everything, buildings being raised. Right. And he, he would have remembered seeing Prospect Park get founded, seeing Central Park get founded, all of these things. The Brooklyn Bridge, all of these things that we take for granted as part of the New York style, skyline, the New York experience, whatever, and that people come from elsewhere to see, like, that's New York, that's Brooklyn. Yeah. None of that was there. Yeah. He and goes, his father, yeah. Oh, sorry, go his ahead. Father, oh, his father was a house flipper, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> so he built the house that women was born in on Long Island. And his father built the house, but didn't own the house. He built it for another family. Mm. And then that family, unfortunately, went through a bankruptcy because there was a very bad season for the crops. So the house went up for auction and Whitman's father purchased the house that he built from someone else. So they're like the family from that show Arrested Development. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're like a Schitt's Creek, but without yeah. being making it rich and then losing money right they're trying to do the opposite that's how he gets andrew to say shit we put a c in the in the word suddenly it's okay oh it's such a good show suddenly <laughs> but, um, it's okay everybody can say this word it can appear in all the magazines yeah that, that, yeah. that well, letter adam, adam loves to uh joke with me about cursing because it's my white whale i know well because caitlin also knows or having been around caitlin um cursing usually doesn't come up in our conversation. First of all, that would be very interesting if I do it during a tour. Um, right, yeah. <laughs> but I did, find, I did find there was a child went forth every day, the first line. But um, I guess I have the 1855. Um, shall I read the first stanza? I can actually hear how thin the, the Library of America pages are as you turn them, as I turn over, them really over like the microphone. I don't think that's going to come through in the recording, but I can hear how thin the paper is. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. Do you want me to do some more? Okay. I would, uh, <laughs> you just yeah, spend the rest put, of the time of me flipping pages. No, no, we're put, not. Put me to sleep with that sound. <laughs> no, I, I would love for you to favor us with a reading, Okay. if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. There is a child went forth every day. And the first object he looked upon and received with wonder or pity or love or dread, that object he became. And that object became part of him for the day or a certain part of the day, or for many years, or stretching cycles of years. The early lilacs became part of this child and grass and white and red morning glories and white and red clover and the song of the Phoebe bird and the March-born lambs, and the sow's pink faint litter, and the mare's fowl, and the cow's calf, and the noisy brood of the barnyard or by the mire of the pond side, and the fish suspending themselves so curiously below there, and the beautiful curious liquid, and the water plants with their graceful flatheads all became part of him. 
Oh, wait, one more stanza. Um, and the field sprouts of April and May became part of him, winter grain sprouts and those of the light yellow corn, and of the excellent roots of the garden. Oh, I like that word. And the apple trees covered with blossoms and the fruit afterward and woodberries and the commonest weeds by the road. Okay. Um, yeah, thank you, Caitlin. I'm glad that you pointed to that poem because I haven't, I don't read that one a lot. Um, it's powerful. It yeah. is powerful with imagery. That is, and the nature, right? I mean, yeah, he's so specific with his speaker. Yeah, imagine writing about like the farrowing of pigs in like central Brooklyn or central Long Island nowadays. It would be, it's a, it's it. The past is a, is another is another world. Well, and weren't pigs? Correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't pigs really used in cities in in cities that were starting to industrialize in terms of uh, recycling or some kind of garbage collecting? Well, they've been used that way for for centuries. Yeah, since so I wouldn't be surprised. I think they, yeah, especially uh, I remember reading somewhere about New York City and their Jamaica Kincaid writes about that as well, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in I want to say Annie about feeding the scraps to the pigs. Mm. And I didn't read this section, but then he goes to talk about a drunkard and a schoolmistress, which um, he had a lot of experience because he had right about. 15 years before the 1855 Leaves of Grass, he was gallivanting around about 10 towns of Long Island to school teach. Um, right, he was not a big fan of being a teacher. We know that. No, <laughs> no, funny. until he was late in fault. life. Yeah, yeah, he starts to recant some of that later in his life mm -hmm. because I think he sees the light of how <laughs> that- well, so, He's so image obsessed. Mm -hmm. You see a lot of that, and it creates such a mystery around Whitman. Um, he yeah. contradicts himself, and he says it. Do mm -hmm. I contradict myself? So I contradict myself. But, you know, that's what makes him fascinating all this time later, too, as you can find yeah. these, you know. Well, and even in this stanza, and I think this is really something Adam and I have brought up a lot, and even I just i am concluding, not done the papers yet, grading, but concluding my... Um, Whitman's Multitudes course, and um, in this stanza, it continues and he talks about um, black children. I mean, he doesn't use the term black. Um, you know, he uses the N-word, not the, not the epitaph N-word, but mm -hmm. not the Huck Finn N-word, the other N-word. Um, and I think it's so important to bring that up, though, because a lot of your programming has been around like what do you make of Whitman in a racial and social justice context and how can you go back and forth and critique and does that mean you're taking away the author's preserving are you preserving the author in a different way and I'm always curious like how do you see that question right. Kate? Hello listeners, my name is Mary Pippi, and today I'm here to talk to you about my new podcast called The Nanny Reviews. Every other Friday, I sit down and relax with a glass of wine and watch a movie about nannies. You know, being a nanny can be a very lonely job, and my hope is to create a community of other nannies like myself. So grab a glass of wine and join me February 5th for The Nanny Reviews.
For clues about which movies I will be talking about in each episode, check out the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at The Nanny Reviews, on Facebook, The Nanny Reviews with Mary to Pippi, and you can also email me at thenannyreviews at gmail.com.